In today's show, we look back at the action from Tuesday, an update on an injury to a Memphis starter. It's Stephen Adams. And then we talk about waiver wire trends, all that stuff. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We've got seven games to talk about. A lot of injury news that came through today. Some of it good and some of it not good. In fact, I'm not really sure what part of it was good. So we'll get into it right now, Wani. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The two big guys, uh, Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson. I'm the biggest bird. I'm the biggest bird. Reevaluated in about two weeks. Some might say that's good news for Durant, and some might say that's bad news for Zion. I tend to agree a little bit. I'm not overly worried about the Zion stuff. They say it's on schedule. We, the initial evaluation was three weeks. I always thought four weeks for him, so pushes it to five. It's not great. Just keeps Trey Murphy's value rolling, a little bit of Najee. I don't know when Brandon Ingram, old uh, old nine toes, I don't know when he's ever going to return, but there'll be an impact there when he's back. As for Durant, he's hoping to be back before the All-Star break. There's been no clear winner with his absence. O'Neal, maybe, but you know Seth and, and Harris and Tony Warren, they haven't really been doing huge amounts to get us super excited. So yeah, their value is going to drop off more when Durant comes back. The other news in Boston, Marcus Smart is out one to two weeks with his ankle sprain. That really just gives that boost to Derek White. White was going to play 15 minutes a night, it looked like. And he's really been boosted by the fact that Smart and Brogdon have been out in recent games. Um, so we'll see what this does for White. At least makes him a 12-team league guy in the interim. Bobby Portis was listed out with a knee sprain. We don't have any other news on that. I'm a little bit worried. Um, he left last game with a knee issue. They didn't call it soreness. They said sprain. Bucks reporters seem to think that it won't be a one-game absence. I don't know how long it'll be. I'm going to suggest a couple of weeks here with this knee issue for Portis. As to who benefits, it's going to be a bunch of guys. Like As Portis loses his 24 minutes, Middleton's minutes will ramp up. So Pat Connaughton probably just takes the, the shortfall there from Portis. You get a little bit of Javon Carter, and then you get the mix of those guys like Nwora and Beauchamp. Maybe you get some Thanasis. Maybe you get some Mamokelashvili in that backup role, but probably not enough to really matter for most people. Then we've got the big one. Late in the day, Steve Adams out for three to five weeks with a PCL injury. Let's just go five. Five plus, honestly. I think that's about right. Five to six weeks for Steven Adams. So the number of questions will start rolling in. So who do we add? Is there a must-add? And I say no. There's not a must-add. There are a couple of names that I would throw up there for um, interest. Throw a couple of names that I uh, throw up for deliberation. Let's get a couple of things out of the way. We always want to look for weird things they can do. Hey, do you think they'll start Jaron Jackson at center and play more Tyus Jones? No, I don't. Do I think they'll start Santi Aldama with Jaron Jackson at center? No, I don't. They've actively avoided doing that. Um, will Xavier T. Ilman start? Well, it certainly looks like it. He played 30 minutes last game in a start. He started basically all of these games. 
that Adams has been out. And if you have to put your money somewhere, you put it there. Much like the way that old mate Captain Comover Thomas Thibodeau seems to like having a rim-protecting center out there, Taylor Jenkins likes to have not Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson together. That's how he likes to run it. We're seeing very little of Jackson at center. We're seeing very little of Jackson Aldama together. We're seeing not that much of Jackson and Clark together. We basically have seen Brandon Clark's minutes stay about the same. And then Adams goes out and T. Ullman comes in. So does that mean that the cashier, Xavier T. Ullman, is a must-roster player? No. If I'm in a 14-team league, then absolutely yes, I would add T. Ullman. If I'm in a 14-team league, I would add Brandon Clarky Clark. I think they're both going to be options to add in 12-team leagues, but probably more like streamers, like the 130th to 110th best player sort of a zone in a 12-team league, which gives them both some value. But I don't think one of them is playing 33 every night. That would be T. Ullman or, you know, then and Clark plays 18 or whatever. I think it'll be like 26 and 22 and some nights 25 in Clark's favor. It'll be a little bit all over the place, making it frustrating. If I had to prioritize one, it would be Clark because he is a better permanent producer. But I don't feel really strongly about that because 20 minutes versus 30 minutes means the permanent numbers mean nothing. If it's 23 versus 26, then yeah, they do mean something. But I don't really know which way we're going to go. And all we have to do is look back literally one game and we saw T. Ullman play 30 minutes and Clark barely play. And Aldama play like 15 minutes in that game. Is that the blueprint moving forward? I don't know. We might say, hey, Jackson and Clark, let's see what happens. But we also said, stop playing Dylan Brooks and play DeAnthony Melton over him. How often did that work out? Literally never. Hey, why is Desmond Bain playing 20 minutes off the bench while Dylan Brooks misses every shot in the world? Never happened either, right? So a lot of things that we think that Taylor Jenkins should do, he doesn't. It is a confusing situation. All right. On the Adam side of things, all right, without IL, Get that garbage out of here! No way you're holding for five, six weeks without an IL. None. He's not good enough to do it. See you later. Bye. Forget that. That's done. The the Clark Tillman one is going to be interesting. Again, I probably marginally prioritize Clark. All it needs is 24 for Clark to be better than T- Tillman. That's it. But if he's 20 minutes, then it does get iffy. And that's where the uncertainty lies. I would add Clark over Tillman. I wouldn't rush to do it. They're not must rosters. Absolutely got to drop everything to grab these guys. I would I would put that level of um, haste if I'm in a 14-team league, but not if I'm in a 12. Now, Clark is probably already gone in a 14, so T. Ullman, obviously the guy. Just go snap him up in a 14-team league. Not a problem. In a 10-team league, I'd rather just not worry about it. I think you're going to have better value streaming through that position. We'll get more information the next time the Grizzlies play tomorrow. And then we'll find out more about how it goes. But we literally had a game yesterday illustrating some minutes. And we had some more games about a week ago with the same sort of um, structure with big minutes for Tillman and limited minutes for Clark. That's not always going to be the case. Look, if I go back to that game, Tillman um, started, played 33 minutes and Clark was actually out that game. So we didn't actually get a full idea of how they were going to run things. There was no Brandon Clark in those games where he started. But last game, 30 minutes for Tillman, 13 for Clark, 14 for Aldama, but it was a 30-point blowout. So again, hard to read into it. I still think we get like a 26-21, 25-22 sort of scenario, and that does nudge Clark marginally in front. But as I said, I'm not feeling particularly comfortable about it. I'll talk more about re-injuries in a second, but Rudy Gobert played 36 minutes in his return from groin soreness. He's back on the injury report at sore groin. And every time I say this, oh, Josh, when has an NBA team ever done it? When have they ever rushed anyone back? Like, There's been about 10 times this season. And when we get to the Cavs-Knicks game, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. 
I don't know why they continually push the recovery time frame on soft tissue injuries. It, it doesn't end well, ever. Well, not ever. That's a generalization. A lot of the time, it doesn't end well. Beal, Beal, Booker. I know I said Beal twice because I believe it happened to him twice this season. Gobert. This could be the second time for Gobert. It happens a lot. So if Gobert is out, do we go back to the Wizard of Noz? Look, we'll talk about him in a second as well. But yeah, like if he misses, then you do add Reed. But I've got no bloody idea what's going on with the way that some of these soft tissues are being handled. <sighs> Frustrating. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that is even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, you can join today. Get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet, win or lose. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets, whether they're game totals or lines or spreads or money lines or player props. It's all there. And you can even combine all of your bets for a bigger chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. We have got NFL Championship Week games ready to go. The Bengals are one and a half point favorites over the Chiefs, while the Eagles are two and a half point favorites over the Niners. I find it really tough to go against the Chiefs, but I'm not an NFL expert. But that's how I view it. And all of those odds, individual player props, futures, we've got the um, the Eagles have moved into favoritism in the in the uh, Super Bowl odds. Well, a couple of days ago, that was not the case. It was the Chiefs. And now it's the Eagles who are the favorite in the Super Bowl. Wow. All of this you can do on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Waiver wire, most added players over the last 24 hours. You're not going to be shocked to see the names at the top of this list because number one is the big fella, Rui Hachimura, up 29%. Absolutely no problem at all. With streaming him in, just understand that I wouldn't be dropping anyone good for him. And he has never shown an ability to be a 12-team category league player, never. So, you know, we have to have reservations about it. We might see him tomorrow. Dan Gafford up 19%. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show. Fouls killed him again today. I still would go with him. Dennis Schroeder up 19%. That value is going to die off completely next week. Davis will be back. Reeves should be back. Walker should be back. Rui will be in town. There's no reason to have him outside of streaming, but it is a nice stream for a back-to-back. So I do like it. Pat Williams up 16%. Yeah, well, uh, didn't work out well today. His consistency is atrocious. He can't really ever get anything going on a, on a consistent basis. Although I do think with the three games in four nights that he had, two of them are done. It was a strong ad, and I probably would persist with him. Larry Nance up 14%. After his last game, I get it. We still have some skepticism, but I'm okay with that. Tom Bryan up 13%, just a stream. Jericho Sims, Jesus Christ, did that work out terribly? You just made the list. Yeah, the list of shit blokes. Nah, he's not a shit bloke. That's unfair. Shit blokes are reserved for people who are actually shit blokes. Shout out to Kendrick Nunn. So Jericho Sims is a plus 13. Didn't work out, but the, the uh, pro process behind it was there. Well, DeLon Wright up 13%. Yeah, I can get behind that one. In terms of the most dropped players, the Wizard of Noz himself, Nas Reed, down 32%. Well, that might jump back up tomorrow. Brandon Clark down 29%. Wow, that is going to reverse course in an absolute millisecond. There's no way that's going to be the case tomorrow. Seth Curry down 11. Weird. The Nets have got three games in four nights. I think he's a nice little short-term stream here. So I would go and add him. Vanderbilt Bar down 10. No worries. TJ Warren down eight. Well, he's been bad. 
no doubt, but three games in four nights. People aren't looking at upcoming schedules when making their ad drop moves. DiVincenzo down 7%. He played pretty well last game. Weird to see him get dropped. Boucher down 7 Yep. See you later. And then Alf Stewart down 6% as well. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming galahs. Yeah. Fine to drop him. He's not good enough to hold. He's injured again. If you want to get someone else in, absolutely no worries with doing that whatsoever. Let's talk about the first game of the night. If you're a Chicago Bulls fan, you should be embarrassed. It was an embarrassing loss. This franchise is embarrassing. Part of the reason that I'm not a fan of them anymore. I used to be. I sort of had to remove some of the fandom to cover the league naturally. But the shit this team does or this franchise has done for 30 years, 30, maybe say 20, it's embarrassing. Another, this is an embarrassing loss. The way that Levine and DeRozan played down the stretch, I don't know. It was just so bad to watch. I felt bad for Bulls fans watching this sort of implosion against a Pacers team that they honestly should have really um, handled very, very comfortably. 116-110, the Pacers win it. For the Bulls, there was no Goran Dragic in this one. DeRozan played 40 minutes. He had 33-5-3. Okay. Again, it's, you look at that guy. How do you criticize him? Well, again, he was a minus nine. This has been a theme for DeRozan across so many years of his career that he puts up good numbers and somehow was always a negative on the court. Wasn't last season. He was really good. And he's been really good this season. But some of the stuff and the interplay between him and Levine, and Levine's going to cop the criticism, um, was pretty rough in this one. Let's talk about the skater boy right now. Like, to be brutally honest, he was horrible. He's in the, I uh, busted my finger. It's impacting my shooting. But bro couldn't even dribble. How many times did he just get it stolen off him? He had... Would he have 14 points on 29%? Like, he couldn't shoot, yet he still did. He was fine with his free throws, apparently. 14, 3, and 4, no threes, no steals, no blocks. He's outside the top 140 over the last week. He's really struggling. And maybe his finger is busted. But he's hurting his team by taking that many shots. Just a brutal game. Vooch, highly efficient. Never gets to the line. Shout out DeAndre Ayton. 20 and 8 with two threes and two blocks on 64%, but... No free throws, but a good game from him. Or Pat Williams, as I just referenced, only managed 28 minutes, only seven points, only took five shots and had five rebounds. And he still had a triple one and he still is probably worth a 12-team spot at the moment because he is playing okay, but still, like he's barely a top 150 player for the season. Dasumu played 25 minutes, just a standard Dasumu line, 7-4-3, and three. shouldn't be anywhere near a 12-team league or even a 14-team league. While Alex Caruso, the rabbit hunter, Quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. Like, if big defensive numbers come, what's the point? If they don't come, I mean, one steal, zero blocks. He had four and seven. He missed all three of his shots. He can be a useful player, but I wouldn't feel comfortable about relying upon him. While the best of the three point guards was Kobe White. And that's not saying much because he had eight points in 23 minutes with two threes and two steals on 27%. He's turned into an okay three point streamer, White, but I don't think you want any of Caruso, Dasumu, or White on a 12-team roster. I just don't think that makes sense. They played DeAndre, DeAndre, no, not DeAndre, Andre Drummond in the second half. He had six minutes with a usage of 53. They hacked him. He went one of five from the line. He had seven and five in that time. It was just, it was weird. Did he play well? I don't think so. Apparently they, they uh, some Bulls people seem to think he did and maybe that uh, gets him back in the rotation. I wouldn't feel so good about that. But the paces, Budrick healed. What a game. 19-5-4 and four with four steals and three blocks and four triples. Remember, Nembhard was out of this game. Big game from Bud. So who did they start? Chris Duarte, who just remains like, I don't know, like not very good. 11 points, 18% shooting, two threes, nine rebounds, a steal. Still only played 26 minutes. 
Maybe he's a stream for tomorrow if Nimpard is out because it's unlikely he shoots 18%, but I don't really see any long-term value in him. While Matherin, it's a really good line, 26-7, and seven, but then he, you have to understand he scored 15 points in the final quarter. He'd done nothing prior to that. And no defensive stats, subpar free throws, weirdly enough, and 59% shooting. A really hot shooting night, still not... That brings him to be 200th for the season. Like Not a must-roster guy, but there is points value in him. Timothy John played 41 minutes. 20 points, 10 assists, 3 steals. In the Bylow show earlier today, I said, man, this guy is a starter. He hasn't missed a three-pointer. Then I went, oh, it's only one game. Well, this is the second game as a starter, and he hit his only three again. He's shooting like 75% from three over the last month. It is going to come down. It is insane what he is doing. He's never taking them, but he's hitting them all, and he has clearly been the winner of the who do I add with Halliburton out situation. And I actually don't even remember what I settled on in that discussion. What I do remember saying is, though, it, McConnell is by far the better permanent producer and all he's going to need is 25 to be that guy. And he got 25 and he was that guy and he's clearly a must roster. He is also a sell high though. Miles Turner played 32 minutes, 26 and seven. Not his best game, but still not too bad. While Aaron Neesmith was bad. He had a steal and two blocks, Neesmith, but three points on 0 of 7. He just, he's had so many opportunities and he cannot really give anything. And you know what? I know the pace is one, but what's this Isaiah Jackson nonsense? Six useless minutes from Jalen Smith. And then we had seven minutes of Isaiah Jackson where he had three blocks in that time. Isaiah Jackson remains a luxury stash, but my confidence level of him starting and playing 25 minutes a night if Turner is traded, which is already at like a 5 to 10% chance of happening, is very low. But I know the upside of Isaiah Jackson is gigantic. I just don't know the not... Why, what are we playing 20 minutes of the Red Rooster Terry Taylor for? Who does that benefit? Does, does it benefit this team? Maybe it does because they won. I just some of the decision making that Rick Carlisle has is very, very, um, it's very iffy in regards to that front court. But you know what? He sort of gets off the hook because there's a bigger dickhead. He's in Charlotte, and we're going to roast the shit out of that team later on when we get down to the Hornets and the Suns game, which will be coming up later. Second game of the night. The Heat beat the Celtics, the undermanned Celtics in this one. Well, the Heat were a little bit undermanned as well. 98-95. Boston was without Al Horford resting, Jalen Brown resting, Balcom Brogdon with personal issues, and Marcus Smart, who's out for at least another week. Tatum played 40 minutes on a back-to-back. 31, 14, and 7, a big number for him, while Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. 34 minutes, 23, 3, and 6. One steal, one block, two threes. Sprained his ankle in the game, but played through it. He's definitely a guy that we want to roster with these guys out. We got 42 minutes from Peyton Pritchard, and you might say that's a lot. I would agree. But it obviously came because Brown and Brogdon and Smart were all out. And two of those guys, or one of those guys in particular, Brown and two, Brogdon, they're both probably going to be back for Thursday. So Pritchard's 10-7-4 on 29% doesn't really move the needle for me in most situations. The Rock DJ played 31 minutes. Remember we talked about him? Well, maybe you didn't. But if you haven't, this is a great opportunity for you to go watch the Buy Low, Sell High show and where I talked about Rob Williams and saying, hey, there's a few things that he's really down on from last season. Block rate? Well, he got two. Check. Um, and field goal percentage, she's down there. Well, 83%. What more do you want? He averaged 11 and 8 with two blocks on 83%. That is almost the perfect Robert Williams game. The only thing different with, with it is he didn't get any assists, and normally you can get two from him. He actually hit his one free throw as well. It is a, almost a perfect Robert Williams game. Also illustrating why when you see him ranked as the 16th best player, it's ridiculous because those numbers don't equate that. But this is what he can bring. Good rebounds, good blocks, Great field goal percentage, hopefully not hurting your free throws, and usually he ch- chucks in an assist or two. Grant Williams played the minutes, but... I, okay. 10 points, 4 rebounds. Nothing all that exciting there. 
For him, he is not a 12-team league player. If you do have him, you hold him for the Thursday game, but that's probably about it. For the Heat, old mate, Jim Butler. Because he's my butler. <sighs> he was out again. Back issue. So they started the Winter Soldier, Max Struess, who played 37 minutes after playing like 20 last game. 13.7 rebounds for Struess, three triples, two steals. Stream him in when Butler is out. I'm a little concerned that Oladipo played only 23 minutes. Now, he didn't play well. He had 33% usage. He was minus 14 and shot 31%. That's pretty bad. 12 and 6 with two threes. After a nice little start to the year, he's 128th for the season, 161st for the, for the last week. It's tailing off. I still would hold him in 12-team leagues, but it's getting a little iffy. Caleb Martin, 11 minutes, 5 points, got into some really early foul trouble. That meant we got 30 minutes of Hayward Highsmith. And if anyone... Here could have said, well, you know what I think is going to happen today? We're going to get a big Hayward Highsmith game. They are lying. They are an absolute bold-faced liar. Because he had 15 and 10 with four threes. That's a really good game from old, uh, old Jablomi over here. Really good numbers from him. But do I trust it or do I care? No, I don't. Tyler Hero was on the buy-low show today. That's wide open. Nine points on 21% shooting. Like I said on that show, he is not going to remain this bad of a shooter, yet he did for one more game. So your open opportunity to buy is clearly there. Six assists and two steals, but that shooting just is not going to stick this badly. He is struggling a lot with his shot. It will change. It will be better, but it was bad here. Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon. Speaking of bad shooting, Kyle Lowry had two points on seven shots, but he did have eight assists. He is a 12-team league player, and you need to make sure either he is on a roster in your league. The next game, it is the Cavs versus the Knicks. 105 New York wins it over the Cavs 103. Let's start with Donovan Mitchell. He's done. He's good. He missed three games with the groin strain. Came back, played 38 minutes, got blocked on a game-tying layup attempt, and his groin seized up on him. Now, there might be some of us that might say, hey, three games for a muscle strain? Probably too early. 38 minutes after only three games off with a muscle sprain. Muscle strain. Might seem a little reckless. I don't know who those people who would be who would say that, but some might say that. And then when he goes down at the end of the game, lays on the court in pain and then limps into the locker room. And then he says after the game, yeah, both of my legs cramped up and I felt tightness in my groin. I hope I'm okay. You should be shit scared. You should absolutely be shit scared that something has happened to his groin and that's another week or so on the sidelines. I don't know that that's the case, but all of those things, a recovery that made me go, mm, that's a little early. Uh, 38, that's a lot of minutes. And mm, your legs gave way because your groin tightened up. Ooh. Not, none of those things are great. Again, they could completely ignore it and he might play again next game. I'm pretty doubtful of that. What that means, though, is the shit show that is Dracaris Levert. Dracaris. He's back on the menu. 21 minutes, 9 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists. It's a tale as old as time. Levert is shithouse when Mitchell and Garland play, and when one of them's out, he elevates. So this is a clear drop, but... If Mitchell is out, we don't drop him. So let's hold. All right. If we hear Mitchell's fine, then we drop Levert. Not a problem in the world. With Mitchell back, Garland, or not Garland, Mobley's usage dropped off 12 and 7 for him with two blocks, while Garland had 22, 4 and 6, and Jarrett Allen had 24 and 12. Um, Akoro played 31 minutes, which is very interesting. Dean Wade barely played. Lamar Stevens barely played. Kevin Love barely played. Somehow Love was a minus 20 in 12 minutes, and Rubio was a minus 26 in 13 minutes. Grr. Surely there is not one person watching this show, surely that has Ricky Rubio on their team in a 12-team league or probably even a 14, right? 14, I can understand. There's no one in a 12 that has Rubio, yeah? We, we can agree on that. No one. Okay, that's cool. Three points, two assists, and a steal. 
for Rick in 13 minutes. For the um, Knicks, Julius Randle got red hot. 36 and 13 with eight threes. No steals, no blocks, but we love the percentages. We love the volume. Another really strong game for him. And the center situation, I thought I'd figured it out. All right, they're going to start Jericho Sims because Thomas Thibodeau loves a big man that can do nothing apart from dunk. And Sims played 25 minutes and had two points and four rebounds. Jesus Christ. And you know who closed the game? Old mate, Isaiah Hartenstein. And Hartenstein's line looks like a Hartenstein line apart from the scoring and the insanely low usage that Thibodeau's centers have. Thibodeau's offense, offense, just completely excludes all centers. Remember last year, the lowest usage players in the NBA were Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson. And in this game, he had 10% for Hartenstein and 5% for Sims. Now, Isaiah had four points, nine rebounds, four assists to steal on a block, including the game-saving tying or the game saving block on Donovan Mitchell as he closed the game over Sims. Does this mean I'm grabbing Hartenstein? I'm not getting sucked in. I know Hartenstein's a, a quite a good player. I know that he's actually a better player than Jericho Sims. I don't trust him to be getting the best out of in the Tom Thibodeau system at all. So I'm not rushing to grab him. This was encouraging, and I want to see how it goes. And if I did have Sims, I'd probably hold one more game. But I don't trust Tom Thibodeau to utilize him properly or even give him the correct minutes. So we'll see. Ron Barrett had 16-4. and four. Pretty Barrettish sort of line. Well, quickly played 27 and had 9, 5, and 6. The 6 assists are good, but that's really moving now into a 12-team stream territory, as is... Quentin Grimes. This briefcase and this haircut. Can't argue with the minutes. 36 of them, but 10 points, two threes, three assists. Another low usage game. 194th over the last week. 173rd for the season. You know what, Jack? Get that garbage out of here! This was another great reminder that Thibodeau will refuse to play small ball at every opportunity. Obi Toppin played 10 minutes for 11 points. He now has, what is it, 25 points in the last two games in 20 minutes. But he won't get any minutes because he can't ever play him at center, can't ever play him with Randall, ever. It's a crime. Some might say it's sinful for Tom to do that. Tom thinks that, nobody else, but that's what Tom thinks. So when we, always, when we have the situation again, when a center gets injured and your brain automatically goes, how about if they um, play small and Obi Toppin? Just slap yourself across the face. Like, what are you talking about? It's Tom Thibodeau. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Um, Bronson was bad, I thought, in this game. 14-2-4 on 39% shooting. Yeah, he'll be better. He has been better all season. The Nuggets, Pelicans. The Nuggets win it 99-98. don't know how they, um, how they almost gave this game away, to be honest. Big Chungus was back. Nikola Jokic, 35 minutes. 25-11-10, 10, 73% shooting like he never left. Now, I do worry a little bit about him playing tomorrow on a back-to-back. We'll have to watch and see. I also don't know whether Michael Porter or Bones Highland will play. They were both out in this game. The headmaster played 40 minutes. Safe to say all restrictions are off for him. 25 points, 7 assists, and 3 steals for Jamal Murray. While Bruce Brown just got to keep going with him. 11 points, 3 threes, a steal, 2 blocks. He keeps getting it done. Nice game for KCP. Only 7 points, but 4 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Remains a back-end player. And it's also a real struggle at the moment for Aaron Gordon. Might be a buy low. 11, 4, and 3. He played 24 minutes due to some foul trouble. The shooting from the line has been a real problem, and that is dropping his overall rank impact. So just be aware of that. He's not a great free throw shooter. In fact, he's been pretty bad all season, but it's gotten worse recently. Uh, Zeke Nagy got 24 minutes with Porter out, 4-7. and seven. There could be a stream opportunity for him tomorrow if Porter and Jokic remain out, but that still remains a pretty big if there. For the Pelicans, they were without a bunch of guys. Ingram, Zion, Naji, of course. And then they lost Dyson Daniels to a pretty nasty-looking ankle sprain. I don't think he plays tomorrow. They went with a weird lineup where Jackson Hayes started. He did jack shit. 23 minutes for four points. We don't add him, but with him starting, 
And then with Valanciunas getting into foul trouble, we got 23 billion and Gomez minutes. I mean, cool. 12 and 6, a steal. I don't care. He'll probably get zero minutes next game. Larry Nance played 23 and had 10 and 6 with a block, which is totally good enough to be a 12-team league player. And Herb Jones only played 23 minutes. He had some of his own foul trouble. He still got the three steals and a block, but that's really who he is. He's a steals and blocks player. He had six points only, six rebounds. And Alvarado bounced back with a nice stream effort, 17 points. And if Daniels is going to miss tomorrow, which I believe he is, although Marshall could offset this, uh, Jose at least moves back into streaming territory. Not a good night from Trey Murphy. He had 10 points on 10 shots. That's terrible. But he hit three threes. He had six boards. He's at least still in the mix to be a 12-team league guy with all of these players injured. While, as I said, Valanciunas, 18 minutes, got into some foul trouble overall. Jonas Vasu Inuansas. Um, 14 and 9. Not a bad return, but yeah, you don't want someone to go 60% from the line on five attempts or play that few minutes. There's not a huge amount of takeaways from that game. In this next one, there are some, and that is the Washington Wizards and the Dallas Mavericks. The Wizards win at 127-126. So let's try and figure out. We had no um, Rui Hachimura in this game. So Dan Gafford was going to be the guy that benefited. Yeah, and I still don't know. I still think he is, but it's very hard to know when you foul out in 19 minutes. So before you look at this and go, 19 minutes? No way. They're definitely not going with Gafford. He fouled out. Right? This is not an indication of minutes moving forward. It might He might play 19 minutes a game. I'd be pretty stunned. But this is not. This game does not tell you that. He fouled out. He had 9 and 7 with a block. If I added Gafford, I am holding Gafford. If I added Gafford, I'm holding Gafford. And with him in those limited minutes meant we got... 19 useless Anthony Gill minutes and five useless Taj Gibson minutes. But we also got was 32 Denny Abdi minutes. 15 and 10 with three steals. Now, there was something really curious said by Tommy Shepard before this game. And one of the things he said was, one of the reasons that we did the Rui Hachimura trade is so that we could give more minutes to Denny Abdi. Like Thomas, you know that you just didn't have to play Rui Hachimura, right? He's not that good. And if, if you think that Denny is part of your future and the things you, and the real core piece, A, you wouldn't have benched him, which you did. Not you, but the organization. You were okay with him being benched and playing 15 minutes a night. And if the coach somehow thinks Rui Hachimura is a better option than Denny Abdel, well, you know what you do? You can just fire the coach as well. Not that he's done anything to prove that he's good. So that sort of reasoning is complete garbage and bullshit. He was starting Denny and he got benched. And then he was playing few minutes than Rui. And if you just want him to get more minutes, tell the coach to not play Rui Hachimura. Is Rui actually that good that he had to get those minutes? Of course he isn't. So these are bullshit, bullshit excuses. It's garbage. Well, the only way we could do it was to sell Rui off for three piss-poor second-round picks. It's the only way that we could play Denny. Or you could have just played him. Might have been an easier option. Now, is that getting something for Rui useful? I don't know. And someone said, I bet if you don't play Rui, his trade value goes down. Guys, three number 45 overall picks. Who cares if it gets worse than that? That's nothing. It's not even, it's not any value at all. Not like you're giving up the 20th overall pick to get him. Anyway, that just annoyed me. Kuzma played 37 minutes, 30 points. Back on Denny, sorry. That's a really good game. I don't really trust him to be 9 of 11 from the line. He only had five field goal attempts. The three steals are nice. The rebounds are nice. He's totally fine. While Porzingis is out to be a 12-team league guy. But remember, he still came off the bench. And he will continue to come off the bench. And when Gafford plays 25 minutes and Porzingis plays 33 minutes, he's probably not going to play 32 a night. Because he wasn't most of this time. So it is nice. He's fine to add. I still prefer Gafford over him. 
Happy to be wrong. Always happy to be wrong. Just trying to see, you know, tell it how I see it here. Dylan Wright, yeah, I, it's, you can't really ignore him. 10 points, two threes, six assists, three steals. This is not Hachimura related. This is Dylan Wright related. And that's what I said. I think Dylan Wright's an ad, irrespective of Rui Hachimura. 10, three and six, three steals and two threes. The guy that somehow benefited the most was Corey Kispert in terms of minutes, who in, he continues to be bad in my opinion. 14 points with two threes. I wouldn't add him outside of 16 team leagues. While Monte just, nothing ever changes. 27 minutes a night, every night. 13, 3, and 5. He probably is a 12-team league guy at the moment. Beal did nothing. As I said, Gafford fouled out. So the takeaway here is Dylan Wright, yes. Nothing to do with Hachimura. Denny Avdia, interesting. I think he's going to be more a fringe guy. And don't give up on Gafford. That's how I'm viewing it. I Did I add Gafford? I think I did. I'm not dropping him based on this. For the Mavericks, Doncic, 41, 15, and 6. We love that. Oh, stunning. Yeah. 55 from the field is great as well. Well, we also got a big Dwight Powell game. Should you rely upon Dwight Powell? Of course not. 22 and 9 with a steal and a block in 34 minutes. I don't even rely upon him to get 30 minutes. He played 21 last game with Wood out. This was great. I don't care though. Dinwiddie had 20 points with eight assists and Finney Smith had a much better game. 12-5 and Smith with two, not Smith. 12-5 and two with two threes. He's still more of a 14-teamer than a 12-teamer to me. Well, we got 32 Josh Green minutes. I'm very interested in what Josh Green is doing. He's not a 12-teamer. He's probably a 16-teamer, but 16 points with two threes. He's just playing really good basketball. And you're going to be shocked, but Reggie Bullock was bad, and Tim Hardaway missed every shot. Well, he didn't miss every shot, but he shot 22% for five points. This is what Tim Hardaway does. He takes shots. Some days they go in, some days they don't. And if you don't need points and threes, you have no business rostering him at all. And if you do need them, well, some days you're worth rostering, some days he's not. And it makes him like a fringe player, like a Malik Beasley or Contavious Caldwell Pope, all these sort of guys who are just all fringy sort of guys who don't really have the ability to consistently push up to a higher level, I don't think. The next game was the Phoenix Suns. and I was going to say it's an embarrassing franchise and they weren't the Phoenix Suns because the Suns have had their fair share of embarrassments recently. It's whatever this is that's trotting out in the Charlotte Hornets uniform. They get beaten 128-97. There was no Lamelo ball as you're going to be shocked to know that he was questionable and they ruled him out. Will they ever just rule this guy out? Or, or any player? The only one they did was Ubre, And then Haywood, after his wife said, now nah, the bloke's got a fractured shoulder. You might want to just rule him out. Otherwise, it's just doubtful, questionable, doubtful, doubtful, questionable, questionable. Just say LaMelo Ball is out. Oh, no, he's actually going okay. All right, so maybe he is back next game. I don't know, but the same thing every time. Rogier, 19, 4, and 5, two steals and a block. Horrendous percentages, of course. But the other stuff was okay, including the two steals. And McDaniels worked his way to 15 and 10. This is a perfect sell-high opportunity for Jalen McDaniels. The opportunity to do this long-term just isn't there. Haywood sat this one out, as did Martin and Ball, who, again, Cody Martin, stunned. Uh, doubtful again before this game. PJ Washington struggled, but he had four steals and a block. But 9-2-2 two, and two is really bad. He's obviously still just remaining a 12-team league guy, while Dennis Smith had 8-3-3. Three, and three. Good minutes for Smitty, but he hasn't really been able to generate the big defensive stats we thought he could. I don't know if Lamelo's coming back, but if there's someone hot out there you want to grab, maybe it is Gafford, maybe it is Avdia, maybe you want to take a flyer on Rui Hachimura. I've got no problem with dropping Dennis Smith to do it. The problem with this organization, well, well, where do I start? The problem with this organization is the complete stupidity with the backup center position, or the center position in general. They've had a problem at center for years and years and years and years. 
And they think the solution to it is relying upon the cockroach Mason Plumley. And in this game, Plumley only played 25 minutes. He had 17, 6, and 4. He's totally okay. But it makes no sense to be him being an impediment to guys. And then last game, you know who played really well? Uh, not Nick Richards. No, 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 no. Mark Williams played fantastically last game. So you know who was out of the rotation in this game? Mark Williams. So that Nick Richards can come in and have four points in 17 minutes. Now, Williams did play. You'll see him play six minutes. All of that garbage time because the team got their ass kicked by 30 points. Williams had six points in the six minutes. He remains a luxury stash. But this sort of... I don't even know what the right term is. Is anyone holding Steve Clifford accountable for these sort of maddening decisions? Yes. And you know what? Steve Clifford doesn't play young guys. Okay. He started a rookie in Bryce McGowan's and still played in fewer minutes than anybody else. He had 22 minutes there with five five points. And even when starting a rookie, it was the wrong move. The rookie, to, to, the player to go to the start should have been Dennis Smith. Like you're playing Terry Rozier out of position so you can start a rookie who's not up to it so you can keep another rookie who is up to it out of the rotation. The lineup decisions that this bloke makes and this organization makes, it's beyond belief. I can't understand anything that they do. So in, you know, in conclusion, for my closing statement, Mark Williams still remains a luxury hold, but you're going to have to suffer through the nonsense, much like you do with Isaiah Jackson. And then if he doesn't get traded at the deadline then you say absolutely piss off Steve Clifford and you piss off Mark Williams to the waiver wire. And then, of course, he goes 10 and 10 with three blocks in 17 minutes and you go back and you start the cycle again because that is our life as fantasy managers. Anyway, I'm glad they lost by 30. They should have lost by 80. On to the Suns. Sharich. Oh, is he good again? I don't know. Maybe. 24 minutes, 19 and 8 with three threes and three assists. I feel pretty good about saying that when Payne, Booker and Shamit and Aiton come back, that Sharich isn't going to be worth it. And even as soon as next game, he's not going to be worth it. But that is a couple of really interesting games in a row. We only had 18 minutes from Cam Johnson. Doesn't really matter. 24 points with six threes. He remains a must-roster player. What he did the game before this, you can throw it out. This game, you can throw it out. They're both completely unrealistic. But we still got a roster him. Biombo had five blocks with nine rebounds. Like He is the stream option over Landau, although Landau played okay, 15 points. But Aiton should be back from his illness next game, I'm guessing. While Tory Craig... Followed up his big performance with an 0 of 7 night for 0 points, and he is only a, say, 14-team streamer. Not the greatest night from Bridges, 18, 2, and 3, shot 44%. I think he's a sell high. His usage is up. His assist rate is up. All that is going to fall when players return. So I would try and sell on him. There, there are people who value him as a top 20 player, and they're the guys that you've got to sell him to. Um, Damo Lee, Saban Lee, nothing exciting from those guys. Well, Chris Paul had 14, 5, and 11 in limited minutes because they didn't need to try because their opponents were G League caliber. The last game of the night was the Lakers going down to the Clippers pretty comfortably in the end. The final score, 133-115 in the favor of the Clippers. Marcus Morris had to leave early after 10 minutes with a rib contusion. His spot was taken by Nick Batum, but Batum played basically the same minutes he normally does. 24 minutes for Nico with 4.6 rebounds, 6 assists, and a block. And that's just a Batum line. You're never going to get scoring. He gives you nice assists with some defensive numbers. That's not for everybody. There's definitely 14-team league value in it, and occasionally 12. Leonard was great, the big fella. 25 and 9, 2 steals, 2 blocks, 75 from the line, and 69 from the field. Giggity. This guy is absolutely rolling at the moment, and Paul George wasn't too bad either. 27, 9, and 4 with three threes and a block. Big numbers from their big stars. Norman Powell is also shooting the absolute lights out. We know Powell can have these stretches. He had 22 points in 25 minutes. 
He had a usage of 27 and shot 67%. There's no defensive stats. He did have four assists, and he played a little bit of point guard in this game. And him in a point guard role makes him a 12-team league option. There are going to be issues with his shooting, but you know, he does some stuff where he goes on like 20-game runs of shooting 45% from three. He does it relatively regularly, regularly as well. And now that we've seen a larger role with more minutes and more responsibilities, it does push him into that zone. Reggie Jackson played more minutes than Terrence Mann for the second consecutive game. 26 minutes for Reg, 19, 3, and 5. That's actually a really good line. I don't care enough to add him, but it's something to watch. But we're clearly jacking Terrence Mann, even though Mann had a pretty good game. Get that garbage out of here! 17, 3, and 2. Four threes, two steals, but more just a streamer. While it was a stinker from Zubat, 6 and 8 in 34 minutes. On the Lakers side of things, yeah, look, LeBron's ridiculous. 46 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 9 threes, 55%, 100 from the line. Oh, yeah, he's 38 years old. How is this happening? Now, they have a back-to-back against the Spurs tomorrow. I'm pretty worried about him playing in that one. I don't think he will. There was some talk that Anthony Davis might actually return. I don't think he will. I think we're looking at the game after that, but we might have Hachimura and Davis both play in that game tomorrow and no LeBron. The Tank played 29 minutes. Tom Bryant... Like, just, okay, 15 and 7. His value is about to disappear completely. And Troy Brown had 7 points in 28 minutes. We're not rostering him. I think you can jack Dennis Schroeder and feel okay about it. 7 points on 33% with 2 steals and a block. His value is just not going to be there when Davis plays, I don't think. And Westbrook played only 25 minutes. That's two stinkers in a row from Russ. When you can have 36% usage and have a true shooting of... Check, let me check my notes, 45%. You've got to do that whenever you can. 31 from the field, 62 from the line. He's, I know people say, man, he's been so good off the bench. Has he though? Like, has he been better than atrocious, which he was last season? Yes. Is he the the sixth man of the year? Fuck no. Like what? Not even remotely close to it, I don't think. I think he's still been pretty bad for the majority of the time. And I think he's about to lose value when Davis returns. Pat Beverly had three points in 35 minutes with four assists. We're not rostering him. And a lot's going to change. Davis is going to be back. Hachimura is going to be back. Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves are going to be back next week, probably. And that's going to turn this roster completely over on its ass and all the rotation. And we still don't know how it's going to work. You know, I have my reservations about Rui's overall game. There's going to be some points. Reeves can be an assist and rebound guy, but probably not enough value there. Walker, absolutely not. You know, it's probably just going to remain LeBron and AD, to be honest, with a little bit of Westbrook sprinkled in. But they are really pushing away from Westbrook the last two games in terms of minutes. And that might remain the case where he's a 26-minute-a-night player, not a 30-minute-a-night player, which is obviously not going to work that well for his fantasy numbers. Lines of the night, the monstrous is LeBron James. Your waiver wire line of the night is Dario Saric. The young gun of the night is Haywood Highsmith. Cool, don't care. And the dot of the night is Rusty Westbrook. In fact, Russell Westbrook. Price of the brick going up. Yep. It's gone down, actually. The top 10 players in category leagues as Obi tries to move around on my lap. Number one was LeBron, followed by Randall, Bud Heald, Don Mitchell. Really worried about his groin, to be honest. I get more worried about it the more I think about it. Jokic at five, Doncic at six, Tatum at seven, Kawhi's at eight, Timothy John is at number nine, and DeMar DeRozan at number 10. The top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. One was Sharich. I just think it's going to get neutralized by the return of Aiton and then the return of Shamit, then the return of Booker. But he's at least providing some stream value. Biombo, that's only with Aiton out. He was at two. Dwight Powell at three. I can't trust that at all. Number four is Avdia. Absolutely worth a short-term stream. Number five is Highsmith. Don't care. Reggie Jackson, probably a 14 to 16 team league guy while Wall is out. 
Seven is Struis, only if Butler's out to use him. Terrence Mann, more 14 teams. He was at eight. Kispert's at nine. He's a 14 to 16 team leaguer. And then number 10 was Isaiah Hartenstein, who I'd love to be able to add. I just don't feel really confident in doing that. For the top 10 players in points leagues, number one was LeBron, followed by Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, Nikola Jokic, Julius Randle, Kawhi Leonard, Buddy Heald, and Timothy John McConnell. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.